Welcome to Floods of Justice. This morning, we are talking about the homelessness in Williamson County. We'll be right back. If you have your Bibles, open them to Amos chapter 5. And I want to read verse 24, where the prophet Amos says, I want to see a mighty flood of justice, justice, justice. The Floods of Justice podcast looks at the issues of our day from a biblical perspective without the labels. Led by Reverend Dr. Kevin Riggs, affectionately known as Pastor Kevin or Rev Kev. He is the senior pastor of Franklin Community Church and founder of Franklin Community Development in Franklin, Tennessee. He is also a published author, teacher, professor, activist, abolitionist, husband, father, grandfather, scuba diver, and coffee connoisseur, which is why this podcast is brought to you from the Coffee House at Second and Bridge in downtown Franklin. Let's begin the conversation. And it is indeed brought to you at the Coffee House at Second and Bridge. Yes. For the first time in years, oh, yeah. I think. <laughs> it's, been, it's been a while. It's good to, uh, to be back. Uh, it's been a few moments this morning just talking to Mike and... Uh, I'm glad that they were able to um, weather uh, the storm um, over the last uh, several weeks, and and now they got new protocols in place. But uh, uh, but it's good to be back at the greatest coffee shop in the in the world, um, and uh, the coffee house. So if you live in Franklin, they're open. Come on by and uh, get you a cup of coffee. We are recording live now. We're going to be calling this the quarantine room. Before it was just the. I don't know, the library. The yeah, now it's the quarantine room. Now it's the quarantine room. Yeah. But we have our face masks. We're respecting social distance. We are uh, trying to be as cautious as we can, but we're super excited to be able to sit live, not on a Zoom conference, and be able to do our podcast. Yeah, I, I appreciate Zoom, but I'm really, really, really getting tired of Zoom. Um, I'm on a lot of boards and, uh, and then different organizations, and it seems like every day it's two or three Zoom calls, and it's like, ah. Uh, yeah. But uh, but it's good to have that technology, and our church is using Zoom as well to stay connected. So I'm thankful for that technology, but uh, I'd much rather be in person. Well, so we, uh, starting as of last, the last episode, I guess, is, is kind of on the brink of at least Williamson County starting to open up. Some states are slower than others, and some counties slower than others. But here in Williamson County, we have started to open back up um, on some limited businesses, um, but in in the midst of this lockdown shutdown, uh, life still continues, needs still continue, and Franklin Community Development has been has been meeting those needs uh, for the homeless here in Williamson County. So today we, we kind of wanted to to go over what it what it takes uh, to yeah. care for your fellow man and woman. Yeah, you know, I've been using a phrase, and it may not mean anything to anybody but me, but um, but trying to balance social distancing with social compassion. Yeah. Um, that you know, you have to um, protect yourself, you have to protect other people, but at the same time, there are some needs um, that you can't meet from a distance. I mean, you have to um, you, you have to go and and uh, not be foolish, but go and and meet uh, meet the needs. And our church and our Franklin Community Development, which is the ministry of our church. Uh, has been taking care of the homeless in Williamson County for years, trying to provide emergency shelter during the winter. Um, last year, around this time, back in uh, February, back in February, really of 2019, uh, there was a newspaper article about what we were doing, and that kind of blew up in the community. A lot of people wanted to come help, and as a result of that, we started a new organization uh, called Williamson County Homeless Alliance. And the Homeless Alliance is still, their, their sole purpose is uh, to put a permanent shelter in Franklin and Williamson County. And, um, and we've applied for 501c3 status and all that, and we're waiting on that. And so until then, 
Uh, people who have supported the alliance have done so through Franklin Community Development. So it's really, you know, Franklin C Community Development has been organizing things and, and really running the uh, emergency shelter, um, um, but uh, but in partnership with this new organization that was formed called Williamson County Homeless Alliance, and then of course also in partnership with our church um, as well, because Franklin Community Development is a doing business as a Franklin Community Church. So anyway, so we provided shelter starting um, in the summer, last summer, which was really, really cool because that's something I always wanted to do. And, uh, and then, you know, we did it through the winter. Um, about the 1st of March, things got really mild. Our, our rule of thumb is, is emergency shelter when the temperature gets 32 or below or 90 and above. And so uh, it was really a mild winter. And so, you know, around the first mid part of March, we really weren't doing it anymore. And then the uh, pandemic hit. And um, I didn't really know what to do. I, I was concerned about it, but didn't really know. Uh, um, myself and a, a minister in town, uh, uh, Reverend Vonna Wilson, we looked at a couple places, warehouses, tried to brainstorm some things. What can we do to, to, to help the people who are homeless during this time? And then uh, she's active with the emergency management uh, in our city. And so um, eventually through her connection, the emergency management reached out and had this idea of putting them in, you know, can we put the people who are experiencing homelessness in hotels? And, um, and I said, yeah. And then I offered, said, let us organize it. And by us, Franklin Community Development mainly, let us organize it. And, uh, you know, we'll put them in the hotel and uh, take care of all that. And, uh, and then there was a, a hope, <laughs> uh, not 100% guaranteed. I filled out some paperwork already, but... Uh, the hope is that um, at some point we'll, we will receive 75% of what we've spent um, back from uh, TEMA, Tennessee Emergency Management, which is, of course, an arm of FEMA, Federal Emergency Management. And so on uh, March 27th, we started with seven people that we put in uh, uh, probably, that was probably about five or six different hotel rooms. A hotel in town really, really wanted to help, but they also wanted to help their business because they had gone from 80% occupancy to 20% occupancy overnight. So they were hurting and, and saw this as an opportunity to help while also be able to keep their people employed. And, uh, and the hotel has 65 rooms. So we started with seven people, and it was about five or six rooms. And uh, then we did 35 nights straight. As long as the, the mayor at first, as long as a mayor or a governor had uh, an order of shelter in place, a declaration basically, uh, then we could do this with the promise uh, or in the hope that 75% would come back to us at some point, but we had to underwrite it. And um, and so, you know, me not really knowing what to do if, or how much it was going to cost, I sent out an email blast uh, to um, our supporters on Franklin Community Development as well as Winston County Homeless Alliance and uh, said, you know, I need $10,000. Uh, I think, you know, because I thought maybe this was going to last a week or so and it would be, you know, 10 or 15 people. And, um, and, Within 48 hours, I had, you know, almost $15,000. I had come in online, and, uh, and I was like, okay, now what am I going to do? I've asked for this. I've gotten more money. Do I give it back? <laughs> you know, what I do with this extra money? And, uh, but God knew what he was doing because it grew really, really quick. And um, so 35 nights in a row uh, in a hotel, uh, we, we serviced uh, or, or helped people uh, with housing. We helped, um, well, we sheltered 52 individuals. Over that, most of them stayed multiple nights. Those seven stayed all 35 nights that started. They stayed till the end. Um, but it was 52 uh, different individuals, eight different children of the 52. So eight of them were children. And, um, and we used 32 different rooms. So out of 
out of 65 rooms, we had 32 rooms. Um, and so the hotel was very, very, very pleased with that. And, um, and that went on for 35 nights. Um, <clears throat> near the end, what we had was 44 people in 30 rooms uh, every night uh, near the end. And so, um, so that was quite expensive. Uh, but our community is generous, and uh, we raised a little over $52,000 um, and there's still money coming in. We've spent uh, right at fifty-four thousand um, dollars of it, and um, and and I've still got uh, the final hotel bill to pay. Um, and so my expectation is it'll be uh, somewhere between sixty to sixty-five thousand dollars total spent uh, on this. And so it's not a sustainable model. It's way too expensive. But but for the emergency that we were in, um, it, that was necessary. Now, a great expense of that also, and this was a really cool idea, and people in the community were very excited about this. Um, we, um, <coughs> uh, one, of the, one of the persons on the board for Williamson County Homeless Alliance had this idea. Back in the summer when we started, we weren't, we weren't really sure what a summer shelter would look like. Um, you know, we were meeting in churches and all that, but uh, we, we, re- we didn't use volunteers for food. We reached out to restaurants and caterers. And uh, the restaurants and caterers donated the meals all through the summer, and so um, and so, you know, the, uh, they our local restaurants and caterers donated literally hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of meals over the summer, and so the idea that this gentleman had that was a great idea was let's go back <coughs> to those caterers and restaurants because now they're struggling. They're you know they're having to lay off. They're having to make tough decisions. Let's go back to them and get them to provide the food for the shelf, for the hotel. Uh, but let's pay them for it, pay full price for it, and uh, tip generously. And so in my mind, a generous, a generous tip was a minimum of 25% of what the meal was. And, um, and so we did that, and what was really, really interesting, that was very, very expensive. It was over $12,000 in 35 days uh, just for the food because it was some really, really good food. <laughs> and we did one meal a day uh, for that. But uh, the response in the community of people when they heard that it was like, this is incredible. I can, I can donate to you, and I'm helping people who are homeless, and I'm helping the local economy. Yeah. And so it was kind of a, you know, a bang for the buck, and, and God provided. So part of that $54,000 was, um, you know, the, uh, and part of what will be around $65,000 was the $12,000 or so uh, in food. Depending on what the food was, it might be $300 one night, but it might be $700 the next night. And, uh, and so... Um, a good friend of mine and one of our city aldermen, Brandy Blanton, organized all that. And, uh, and then we, we had different people who would go fix, pick the food up and then take it to the, the hotel in the afternoon. And then some other groups stepped up and provided lunch, and that was always free. They, some, you know, my family wants to make sandwiches, or my, you know, my group at church, can we make some sandwiches for lunch? And it was like, yeah. So, so there was a lot of days they were getting two meals a day, but we guaranteed one meal a day for them. Now, the bad part, and this is where uh, I'm struggling with now because of uh, the way things work, um, Governor Lee's order to shelter in place ended at midnight on the 30th of April, and so everyone had to check out May 1st, and um, <coughs> we housed two, one family and one single person who were in the hotel. We were able to find them housing, uh, permanent housing, and... Um, and then we identified, you know, we, we have a grant from, the, from HUD, uh, Housing and Urban Development, to help put people in houses, homeless, to move people from homelessness to housing. And, um, and so we identified 
another six or seven families and individuals who, who fit the criteria for the program. Um, and so, um, and so we, you know, out of, out of the uh, 30 rooms, which would be, you know, 30 families, um, maybe nine or 10 of them, uh, we were hoping to be able to move into housing before this was over with. And we were able to move two into housing uh, from that. And, uh, and we still got the other ones on a list um, to, and another organization stepped up and have put that six or seven in the hotel while we're giving us a chance to find them housing. Um, but the reality of the situation was come May 1st, uh, before 11 a.m., they had to check out. And if they were living in their car before the pandemic, now they're living in their car again. If they were living on the streets before, now they're back on the streets uh, again because, because we don't have a permanent, um, a permanent shelter in town. Uh, we're working hard to try to get that, and I think every day we're a little closer to that, but we're not there yet. And so it was kind of a bittersweet day, you know, having to, you know, where am I going to go, Pastor? What am I going to do? And I was like, well, I, I don't know what to tell you. When the temperature gets 90 degrees, hopefully we'll have yeah. <laughs> emergency shelter again. Uh, but in the meantime, um, you know, the, the comfort in it is, okay, we provided a, a month, um, and right now the weather is mild, and so, you know, they're not going to die uh, in the elements. But, uh, but it's still... You know, it just shows the need that we have in our community because even of the, even of the, you know, the, the 52 different individuals who, who stayed, I know there's a lot more than that out there. Yeah. You know, I've, I've, uh, I've kind of become, I haven't seeked it, but I've kind of become the, quote, expert on homelessness in Williamson County. And, um, and, and I still believe, and I've used this quote a lot, and it's, it, it's a, lot of, a lot of this is anecdotal, but um, based on what I know the, school, the public schools say and based on uh, other organizations who help homelessness, and based on our organization, um, you know, my estimate is uh, somewhere between 800 to 1,000 people in our county who are homeless. Um, and, uh, and, and we reached 50 of them. Wow. And, and basically those 50 were within the city limits of Franklin. The people who are homeless out in Nolansville um, or out in Fairview, um, you know, we, we try to reach out there the best we can, but that's a good distance away. Um, even though it's the same county, if you don't know about Williamson County, Williamson County is a pretty big landmass. You know, it's, it's pretty broad, um, and so you know the the number of homeless, no one really knows in Franklin because no one has tracked it. We're, we're starting to track it. Every person who we who we meet who are homeless, we you know try to start a file on and put them in a in a system, a computer system, software program, so that we so that we kind of know where they are. And so we we we've tried to track it. Um, but uh, to date, no one really has. And then um, the homelessness, you know, homeless people, some of them just, they're called couch surfers. You know, they just live in this, sleep on this couch for a while, this couch for a while, um, or, or they're living in their vehicles, and a, a good number of them work. I would say about half of the people that we put in the hotel were working. Now, they got laid off or furloughed because of the pandemic, uh, but outside of that, there were still probably, you know, 10 to 12 people um, out of the 50 out of the 44 that were there on any given night um, that uh, that would get up in the morning and go to work um, and, but they had been living in their cars things just uh, you know the rent here is incredibly high and so they can't afford to live here they may have moved here from somewhere hoping they would they would um, get a better job and things haven't worked out quite like like they had hoped and they're stuck and uh, and living in their vehicle and so uh, our homelessness looks a little bit different than a metropolitan area, 
and it's not overwhelming, which means we could solve it. It's small enough where we really could address it and make a huge difference. We've, we've placed, in a year's time, we've placed about 30 families that were homeless into homes um, through, through our grant. And, um, um, and so that, you know, that, that's good. And then we got another five or six. Real so. quick, what's, what's kind of the, the <coughs> nutshell process on that when you uh, take somebody from, from homeless to placing them in a, in a home? Can you kind of? <coughs> well, ideally, and again, this is ideally because it, it's, 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 uh, it's extremely difficult. Um, the, the particular program that we have, we call J297. It's based on Jeremiah 29.7. And, um, and, you know, a person comes in. We have a, a kind of like a pre-application, then we have an application, then we have a needs assessment where we try to figure out what their needs. As far as the criteria for us, technically, the uh, the grant is for chronically homeless people, which means they've been homeless for a period of time um, and with a disability. And uh, the disability is not like a disability that you could get disability for. I mean, it's, it's a little bit looser definition but there has to be some type of recurring health problem or emotional problem or addiction problem um, that living on the streets makes it worse from that. And so then if you can document that, and that's sometimes that's to hold up with a lot of them. Either they don't have a disability or they don't want to admit it, you know, which is really odd. Well, we've, we've worked with a few people who it's obvious they have either a mental or a d- mental disability or an addiction, but they don't want to admit it, and they don't want to admit they have that, and they don't want to... Pr- they don't want to provide any type of documentation or let us get the documentation, then there's not a whole lot we can do at that point because they have to meet those criteria. And then we can help with rent and utilities for up to a year. The goal is, you know, six, eight, nine months. And so the idea is we go in because it's supposed to be a permanent housing situation, not transitional. So, so uh, you know, they're homeless, and, and if they have a job, they don't have enough to make rent. Um, then uh, we try to put them in a home. And uh, we co-sign the lease, basically. So we guarantee that the rent will be paid. As soon as possible, they're supposed to start paying 30% of their income, whatever the monthly income is, um, towards that. With the goal that at the end of the six months or eight months or however long that, we, that we're helping, that they can take over the lease. So in other words, they don't have to move. You know, it's, it's, it's take over you know, take over the lease, stay there. So when the new lease comes up, they sign it. Now, boom, they're on their own. That has proven difficult. Um, you know, we've got uh, a few people who I think are going to be successful with that. Um, uh, we're trying to increase our case management. Um, you know, that's a big part of the puzzle that um, that uh, that that we don't yet have completely in place like we would like it. Um, but now, because we had to ramp up really, really quick to get the people, you know, to get the people in the homes, and so now that we're about at capacity, you know, we can, we could probably help between 35 and 40, 40 families a year, based on the grant. So now that we're up close to that number, uh, then I think the, you know a lot of attention can be turned to case management, and and hopefully from this, you know, from this point forward, um, we can do a lot better job in that than we have because, but because it's really difficult. What's really difficult is if a person is homeless, and they have a a disability, a real a real you know like. They can their own disability. Well, there's nowhere in Franklin they can rent an apartment uh, on what they get on disability. Yeah. Now we can go into 18 counties. The, the grant allows us to go. If you live in Tennessee, the Middle Tennessee area, we can go basically in any county in Middle Tennessee except Davidson County and Rutherford County, because they have their own programs. 
So ours is more a quote rural program. So we can go, you know, we can go into these 18 counties, and we have. We I think we've done a pretty decent job of placing people in other counties, uh, but even really even in other counties on disability alone, unless you get into a government program where you're, you're, you're living in an apartment that is based on your income, uh, which is there's not a lot of those, um, then it's kind of, okay, we got to find a place for this person who can afford this. Because if, if it's a severe disability where they can't work, then, you know, that disability is all they get. And there was a stat, um, I can't remember who put it out, that, but that basically said, there is nowhere in the United States, no county, no matter how rural, there is nowhere in the United States where a person can afford rent on minimum wage. Really? Wow. And That's basically, di- and basically, disability would be minimum wage. <clears throat> and so, and without governmental help, or or I would prefer to say without church help, but but that's difficult. But without governmental assistance, uh, if you're on disability. There's nowhere in the United States that you can uh, uh, that you can afford rent if if all your income is disability. That's, that's just a fact. And in Franklin, it's it's worse. Um, Franklin Williamson County is a very wealthy county, uh, which means everything is expensive. Now it's going to be interesting to see if things get adjusted a little bit, you know, with the with the uh, with the quarantine and the economy basically being shut for six weeks. It'll. But I heard a report that during the shutdown. Uh, home construction in Williamson County didn't slow down at all, mm. you know. Yeah. And um, and so that's like, okay, maybe it's not going to change. So in, in Franklin, the city I live in, the average rent for one bedroom is 1200 a month for one bedroom. And, um, and, you know, if you make $15 an hour, you can't afford, you can't afford that. Yeah. And, of course, if you have a family, if you have kids, then you have to rent at least a two-bedroom, depending on how many kids you have. Uh, that, I mean, that's by law, basically. Um, you might be able to find a, a neighbor who will rent you something they shouldn't rent you, but by law, um, you know, if if you have, um, in, like if you have two children, one's a boy and one's a girl, now you're up to three bedrooms. If you have two children and they're the same gender, two bedroom would be okay. Uh, but if it's if they're different genders, and especially if they're different genders at a particular age, now they have to be separated. Um, and so, you know, a typical family of four, um, mom and dad and son and daughter, that's that's a, a three-bedroom. And a three-bedroom in my city is, on average, would be right at 2000 a month. Um, and so that's 24000 a year, if you're good at math. Yeah, I'm not, <laughs> but I trust you. 24000 a year, and, um, and if you make $15 an hour, uh, or if you make minimum wage, I think that comes down to about 18000 a year. Well, on the topic of kids, you had mentioned that there were there were eight uh, that you uh, housed as part of the shutdown, um, and you know everybody comes to uh, homelessness uh, from a, a different place. Can you kind of describe for Williamson County? You said that we have a little bit of a different situation in homelessness here, but man, that that kind of hit me when I thought of uh, the kids in the midst of homelessness, in the midst of quarantine, in the midst of trying to school remotely if they're of school age. Yeah. Can you tell us a little bit about what, what the, that experience was like for families with kids in this? Yeah, I mean, if your family, I mean, if you, if you have 52 individuals and eight of those are children, I mean, that's uh, at least 20%, right? 
I'm trying to think. Ten percent of fifty is five. We'll ask so, our math experts on. So well, maybe Facebook it may be a tad less than than twenty uh, percent, uh, yeah. but but it's right at seventeen to twenty percent. So that's a, that's a pretty good number. You know, eight may not sound like a lot, but that's a good number. Yeah. And and uh, I think all of the eight were school age. There could have been one I think that may have been a preschool age. Um, a couple of them were teenagers, and um, you know, it just it really just depends. I mean, like. Some people, unfortunately, that's all they have known is, is going from place to place. Um, and and as, a, as a child, that's all you know. I think for others, the, the trauma of, of um, like there was one lady, a mom, and her, she had two teenage kids, a boy, a boy and a girl, and, um, and they were just recently homeless. I mean, you know, um, I had gotten the idea that at one point they had a, a nice life and uh, – and I think it was an abusive situation they were running from. And so now they find themselves homeless. And, and it's trauma. That's about the only thing I can say is it's trauma. You can see it on the kid's face um, where they, they have a hard time trusting, have a hard time dealing with, uh, uh, dealing with things. You know, we had another case um, where a family, a couple was living in their van. And uh, when they got sent our way, it was because they, they had had a newborn. Uh, and the newborn was premature at Vanderbilt. And um, and so they were homeless, um, and uh, uh, and the child, because it was a premature baby, was still in the hospital. The mom and da- the mom had been released, and they had nowhere to go. So, uh, so somebody put them in contact with us, and we put them in the hotel. And they were there maybe three of the weeks, so about half of the time. And then every day they would go to the hospital to see the the baby, and and we were trying to think, okay, you know, we got to do something with with this family, and and. Um, and really, before we could intervene, and this this may have been a wise thing anyway, they had to sign. Um, they they went through a Christian service in Nashville, that basically a Christian foster care service where their newborn was released to a foster family until they can get their situation stabilized. Um, and that's both kind of a relief. Okay, good that newborn's not living in the van, um, but it's also kind of heartbreaking that you've got a newborn and you can't bring them home because you have no home to bring them to. Yeah, and. Uh, um, and so that's that's just trauma. I mean, you know, I, I think every person who's been homeless f- for probably more than a day <laughs> uh, has has uh, different degrees of PTSD. Um, just just the trauma it hadn't been diagnosed. You know, a lot of people. I think the actual figure is maybe fifty, sixty percent of people of homeless people who are experiencing homelessness have mental health problems. Um, and uh, and what they what that means is that they've been diagnosed with it because I I think it's more like a hundred percent. That, that if you've been, you may not have had it when you became homeless, but just the, uh, just the trauma of trying to survive, um, is going to start to affect you mentally. And well, you made a comment that, that a woman had mentioned to you that, and she used the phrase, "We felt like we were th- thrown away, you mm-hmm. know, trash," and I, I just what that does to a person's self worth. Yeah, that's got to cause mental illness in in the tapes that you begin to play in in your yeah. head and. And in that case, that, that, that woman has a job, but it's just not enough um, to, uh, uh, to, to live in a, in a place. Um, and, um, and, yeah, and so she sent us a thank you. No, one, of my, one of my workers who was helping us with this, I, I think, was a little bit discouraged one day because they had gone to the hotel to deliver the food, and, and uh, some people had, some of the people in the hotel, some of the people experiencing homelessness had been a little rude, <laughs> you know, yeah. and, so, and so instead of being grateful, they were a little, you know, just not grateful, 
and uh, and that and so this person was struggling with that and and uh, I and I told her you know and I've said this before kind of sar- it's kind of sarcastically but it also helps me keep going is like look Jesus healed ten lepers only one said thank you so if Jesus can hit ten percent if if I can hit five percent. I'm, yeah. I feel like I'm doing pretty good, and so then this so then this lady wrote a thank you to me and to this person uh, who had been helping a lot, and uh, I don't know what she said on the inside of the card to to the person helping, but on the inside of my card it said, "Thank you for not throwing us away," and uh, which you should never feel that way. Yeah, you know whether it's perceived or real. I think with homelessness sometimes it's it's pretty real, uh, but that you know thank you for not throwing us away. So that person came to me when she got her card, and and she said, "Here's my one in ten, <laughs> you know." Yeah. And uh, and I said, "Yeah, that's that that's all you can, you know." And and uh, um, and out of fifty two people, um, she was the only one who actually wrote something to us to say thank you. A lot of them said thank you, and how much they because I had another uh, lady, a single mom, who was at the end of her rope, and and told me uh, that if that if. Um, if she did, if she hadn't have found us and was able to at least get some rest for a month, um, that she would be dead right now. And she was confident that that uh, she would be dead, and so uh, you know that's humbling um, to to hear. But it also now really one of the saddest stories um, from this recent. I've got lots of stories, but just from this last thirty five days, uh, there's a gentleman in our town. He's seventy five years old. He's a Vietnam veteran. And um, and he really doesn't want any help. I mean, I've offered it to him, and I've told him, "Look, you can, you can find housing quickly because you're a veteran." You know, um, he was a he was a photographer for the army during the Vietnam War, and he's told me that he oftentimes was the first person in after a firefight, and then he had to document everything, you know, photographs. And so, what he has seen is 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 probably unimaginable. Yeah. And so there's a part of me that thinks he he wants to stay by himself because he has to deal with his with his demons, basically. Um, and uh, But anyway, so this is a 75-year-old man. He's been living in his car in basically downtown Franklin in the loop that we would consider downtown Franklin for 12 years. And so every day, tens of thousands of people are going to drive by, and he's just right off the main road, you know, uh, hidden but just right off the main road. And um, and so he told me, and, and I go check on him. You know, I, I have knocked on his window at night when it's been – you know, single digits. You want to come in tonight? You want to come in tonight? No, Pastor, I'm okay. I'm fine. I'm fine. And one time he told me he really likes the cold better than the heat because he likes fruit, and his fruit will stay, uh, will keep a lot better in the cold car because it becomes a refrigerator than in the summer. Things go bad too quickly in the summer. Um, but anyways, but he told me that uh, back in January, I think it was, um, he got up in the middle of the night because um, he had to go to the bathroom and so he got out of his car, and he went maybe 25 yards away you know, to a kind of a wooded area to use the bathroom. Sorry if this is, this is just reality. It's not, you know. And something happened on his way back where he fell, and, and he either fell, and while he, when he fell, he got bit by a spider, or um, the spider bit him in the leg, and it hurt so bad he fell. Okay. And now he's 75 years old, so now he's on the ground, and his car is 25 yards away, and he cannot stand up. Right, so it's winter, it's January, and so he's crawling and pulling himself on the ground. Eventually he gets to a stump or something where he's able to, to stand back up. Then he goes in his car, and he said, basically for the next month, I didn't leave my car. And he, he said, I was so, I've never been that sick before. I was so sick, thought I was going to die. 
and you know there was and no nobody was there to take care. Of. He's just a tough guy. I mean, I, I don't know how he, wow. I don't know how he survived. And uh, and he said he saw he said you know he killed the spider, so it wasn't likely a brown recluse. Um, and uh, and it bit him on the leg, and his leg swelled up, and he had a fever and nausea, nausea, and, and all of that, all by himself, one block off main st- of of one of the main streets in in downtown Franklin. Thousands of people driving by him every day, and he's in his car, and nobody knows, including me. Nobody knows what he what he was going through, and uh, how he survived that. I I don't know. Yeah, you know. And uh, we've offered to help him on many different occasions, but he doesn't want to fill out the paperwork. You know, he may have a little. You know, obviously he's got some mental problems, but he may have a little of a conspiracy theory. He doesn't want the government to know anything, kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and uh, but, you know, he. He survives. I mean, I don't. I, the survive their survival techniques are are unreal, and so that that story was really when he told me that story. I was like, man, that's just unbelievable. I mean, he could have died in that car, and who yeah, knows yeah. how who how knows long? how long it would have been before somebody, before somebody even found him. Because yeah. even me, because the weather's nice right now, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have been, I wouldn't not have gone by as much to check on him. Um, you know, during the winter, you know, I, I'll go by and talk to him and see if he needs anything but um but but anyway so there you know there are all kinds of stories there are all kinds of reasons um there you know obviously addiction alcoholism drug addiction plays a part of it uh, but it's not as much as you think um you know the majority of uh people who are homeless i think are because of mental issues or because they've lost their job or they lost their apartment because the rent went up and so they're the working poor and uh and they don't they don't like this this gentleman I was telling you about. He, he, if I remember correctly, it's been a while since he told me this, but he, you know, he's been in this car about twelve years, and he's probably been sober about eighteen. So he's not, you know, he's not drinking and doing drugs. Uh, he's he just reads. He'll go to the library and get books, and he just reads all the time. Uh, so he's highly intelligent, um, but uh, for whatever reason, he's he uh, he he doesn't want the help that would be out there for him as a veteran yeah well let's uh let's take a little bit of a break um and when we come back we can jump into uh just some of the hard numbers of what it takes and then maybe talk about some solutions some ways that people can can get involved in helping out the Wilmington county homeless alliance the floods of justice podcast is brought to you by the coffee house at second and bridge Since 1904, they have stood at the corner of 2nd Bridge Street in the heart of downtown Franklin. Their house-made menu items are crafted with care and love. Baked goods are made from scratch each morning, and specialty coffee is always ground and brewed fresh. So come on down, wander the rooms, join us at the coffee bar, and find a space to enjoy the food, the drink, and maybe even a recording of the Floods of Justice podcast. Welcome back, and we are here at the Coffee House at Second and Bridge. We've been talking about the homelessness situation in Williamson County, uh, some really heartbreaking stories, um, and I'm sure we may have some more before the end. We're also doing this Facebook Live, so if there's anybody watching now that has some questions, um, feel free to comment on the Facebook Live video. We will try to address those in the episode. Um, so we've got... Uh, Kevin's got some documentation of uh, <clears throat> of the work that's been done during the shutdown. Um, what can you share with us that kind of gives us a, a bird's eye view of what? Yeah, it I'll, I'll share. Now, this is just specific to the last thirty five days. Um, 
but uh, you know we we've been working in close partnership with um, the emergency management, our local emergency management. And uh, one of the privileges that I've had at working on this is is to to be on a phone call uh, every day. Now it's just three times a week with the emergency management and uh, get to hear the updates on what's going on in our county. How many people? How many people have been tested? How many? How many people have tested positive? And then. You know, the hospitals and the health department and the mayors and everybody and the police and the sheriff, everybody gives a report, and, and we've been given a report every day. And so I think that has really, really helped, at least I hope it has, of raised the awareness um, in to, to some uh, key leaders in our city and county about uh, this issue. Because unfortunately, there's still some leaders who don't really think we have a problem, you know, or they think if you build it, they will come. Um, and so, you know, I'm hoping. If I interject, I mean, I just hear this and I go, man, one kid is a problem. One kid is a one problem. One person is a One yeah. life is a problem. Yeah. So to dismiss and say you've got to reach a certain tipping point, even yeah. though there's a. Well, when I get this, because, again, we've had 52 individuals, um, eight children, and um, I think that for the 2018-2019 school year, the 2019-2020 school year, the, I don't know if the stats have really been, re- the stats have been released yet, but the 2018-2019 school year, and I'm, I'm going to summarize and kind of round up, not give you the specific numbers. But, uh, so these may not be the specific numbers, but they're close. Uh, but basically, the county schools reported um, it was right at 300 kids in the county schools who were homeless. And, of course, no kid is homeless on their own. So that's going to include at least one parent. Right. Um, and then the city schools um, in the 2018-2019 year was, I think, right at 250 uh, kids in their schools who were homeless. And so, um, you know, some of those may be from the same family and, you know, and all that. And so basically if you've got 450 or so um, children in our schools who are said to be homeless, if you add the parent or parents in there, that's at least 500 um, people who are homeless. And then, um, you know, if, if uh, GraceWorks Ministry says over the course of a year they, they minister to 200-plus homeless people, then knowing what we do, um, then I think it's, it, it doesn't take much of a stretch to say there are a thousand homeless people in Williamson County. Uh, my my gut tells me there's far more than that, but I'm so I'm trying to be conservative. Say, say there's a thousand, and now part of that is also based on uh, like in Davidson County, Nashville, the official number of homeless is about six thousand. But anybody who is working with the homeless population in Nashville would tell you it's it's upwards of twenty five to thirty thousand people. Wow. And so you got one official number um, because that's documented and all that, but then you got the people in the streets working with them and saying, no, uh-uh, it, it's far. And so if that's the case, and I'm saying 1,000 based on these numbers that different organizations give, uh, and, and that to me that's probably conservative uh, on that. But I have a hard time convincing people of that. But like you said, one, one child who's homeless is enough. So, But anyway, so over the last – and so – to back off now, we started our summer emergency program in August of last year, and then we continued through the winter um, based on 90 degrees, 32 degrees. <clears throat> and so if, if you take that number and then you add the number of individuals we have helped or, or we have provided shelter for, and then you add it to the 52 that we helped here. Now, a lot of the 52 were part of our, you know, the winter and summer program we had. But we're well over 100 in one year's time, well over a hundred different individuals who we have placed, who we have um, had in our shelter, uh, at least for one night, well over a hundred. 
Um, and so, you know, and, and again, that's pretty much just the city limits of the county. It doesn't include Brentwood, um, and you got to thank Brentwood because they're so close to Nashville are going to have a lot of people in camps on the, near the interstate. But Brentwood, uh, Fairview, Nolansville, um, uh, Leapers Fork, of course, Franklin. Um, so it's not like there's six, six cities. Um, so I may be missing one, but anyway, so, so we're hoping to be able to reach out in the county. So, but just over the last 35 days, I've been working on a report, and that's one reason I want to do this podcast to kind of be thinking out loud uh, as I put a report together to give to the emergency management, basically is what it is. But uh, the emergency management asked for a report, and, uh, and I, wrote, I wrote this on April 24th, and so we had one more week left of the, and so the, the numbers I'm going to give you um, are through April 24th, so from March 27th to April 24th, and then we had another week uh, of that. And so the numbers, the numbers wouldn't change. What, what would change a lot is the, the, the finances, you know, because basically I, I'll just be vulnerable here. I've written, right now I've written three checks to the hotel. I've got to write one more to finish up. And the checks have been um, $8,000, $11,000, um, actually four because 10000 And now I've got one more to write that will probably be about 8000 uh, from that that's just the hotel yeah and then you got the food on top of that but this is through the 24th and I'll read some of this I'll try to read it quickly and skip through some of it but it but it's written this was given to the emergency management um you know thank you thank you for allowing us the opportunity to apply for the money for the CARES Act that's hopefully some of the reimbursement we'll get for this um because these are interesting times this is a partnership between Franklin Community Development with the Williamson County Homeless Alliance um and so here's just an updated version uh, of what's going on uh, right now and uh and as long as uh, this at this point as long as there's a shelter in place by the mayor or governor we can do this our first night of housing um people experiencing homelessness was on the friday march 27th and and the shutdown had been probably maybe a week you know may or more to his credit um he issued a shutdown order well before the governor did um, you know two or three weeks before the governor did um and so we were operating under the mayor's orders at first, and then the governor gave the order and, and so forth. So anyway, so uh, Friday, March 27th, uh, through Thursday night, April 23rd, we have, ha- we have housed um, people experiencing homelessness on 28 consecutive nights. Um, at this point, there had been 50 individuals stay at least one night in the hotel. Most have stayed multiple nights and weeks. Eight of the 50 individuals uh, are or were minor children. Um, we have used a total of 32 rooms, and again, the hotel has 65 rooms. And so at that point, we averaged 32 guests per night in 21 rooms, but you've got to remember, the, I think it was the first two nights we had seven in five rooms. And so if you, if you threw out the first two or three nights, your average is going to be in the high 30s uh, you know, because of the number that came in. Uh, but, but the average at that point, 32 <coughs> guests per night in 21 rooms, and on multiple nights, we've had 45 people in 29 rooms. Um, so all total, if you count that up, the all to- total, we have provided 872 beds. You know, So every night somebody sleeps in a bed, you count that bed. So 872 beds. Uh, during this time, we have, we have provided in excess of 1,000 meals. Uh, and the reason I say in excess and not a specific number is that we committed to provide one meal per day. Uh, so we have provided 872 dinners. But in addition, other groups and individuals have provided breakfast bars and fruits and sandwiches and so forth. And 
and we just didn't really do a good job keeping record <laughs> of that. Uh, we never knew when it was going to happen, and you know, so we just we just did. So I don't have an exact number on that, but it's easily over a thousand meals if you include that. Uh, for the one meal per day, uh, we have exclusively used local restaurants and caterers in an effort to help our local businesses. And again, the final tally on that, because I have done that, is is I don't know the I don't know the exact number offhand, but it's over twelve thousand dollars that we put back into the economy through the local restaurants and uh, and caterers. And what's interesting is to see the the managers and, uh, and owners of these restaurants almost in tears, saying, "Thank you so much." Yeah, you know, in the big picture. 50 plates of meals may not seem like a lot, but during this time, the fact that we thought about that, yeah. and, and, and instead of asking them to donate it to us, look, we want to pay full price. I had an argument with one because one guy kept trying to give me a discount. And I'm like, no, 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 <laughs> you don't give us a discount. No, yeah. you, you gave us free food back in the summer. No, no discount, full price, and then we want to tip on top of it. Well, the revenue is one thing, but just the gesture, the compassion, yeah. and the hope that it brings to me, I, I could see that being extremely yeah. valuable. Yeah. Um, and so, anyway, so the restaurants and caterers, this, this was, uh, well, I just, here, here are the restaurants. Let me just give a shout out to uh, all the restaurants uh, and go give them your business as we open up, all right? Daily Dish, that's a caterer. Uh, Franklin Chop House, Pueblo Real, Americana Tap House, Sonic, Menu Maker, that's a caterer. Cool Cafe, Blue Coast Burrito, McAllister's Deli, Buca de Peppo, Big Shakes, Jim and Nick's Barbecue, Tzatziki's Mediterranean Cafe, Chick-fil-A, Marco's Pizza, um, Jason's Deli, uh, Pasta and Cream, Bishop's Meat and Three, Sonic, um, Kimbrough's Pick and Parlor. I think that's everybody. Some did it more than once, but that's, that's a good list of yeah. our local restaurants. Thank you. Uh, you know that have that have helped out, and we've tried to help them out. Um, and all right, so let me see where was I on this on this sheet of paper here. All right, um, yeah, we have spent a total of forty two thousand. That was at that date, and uh, again, we've spent um, right at fifty four thousand now, and I expect another nine or ten thousand uh, before we're done. Um, and and all of this was unbudgeted. In other words, we did not have the money to do this. You know, it was unbudgeted. Um, um, and uh, and our and our estimate is that it would be sixty thousand is what I put in this report, and so here's the breakdown of expenditures through the twenty fourth: thirty three thousand one hundred and seven dollars and sixty six cents to a ho- to the hotel, eight thousand two hundred fifty thirty four to food, and then eight hundred forty dollars for extra staffing. I had uh, some monitors who would go by at least once a day, um, and uh, check on them and just talk with them and then case some case management that we tried to do so uh so that's where that eight and that's a little over a thousand dollars now just kind of extra staffing just to just to make sure things are okay um but anyway so that's that and then uh, let me see i wrote another letter just asking for a meeting so that we can uh talk about this well this this next this next letter was um close to the end and at that time it was fifty four thousand yeah so this was $54,889.50 right now, and that doesn't include the last two meals and, uh, and the final payment to the hotel. Um, and so that'll put us over $60,000. And, and the, the cool thing is, you know, uh, we've raised $52,000 to date, maybe a little bit more than that now because some checks that came in. And, uh, and if we get reimbursed at 75%, we are in good shape to continue through the summer and the winter. Uh, 
from that. And so it's just uh, that aspect of it's been just amazing. Um, I, you know, I, I was able to talk and pray with uh, several of the individuals and, and see them make recommitments to Christ and, and um, you know, just, just try to help them spiritually as well uh, from that. And, uh, and we are hoping um, this, this COVID virus has got everything on stall. And so uh, our new grant was supposed to be available April 1. We've already been approved for it. We're going to get it. It was supposed to be available April 1, but it has not dropped is what we would say it has not become available and so that's why like these six or seven people who we identified as we could help them with housing we haven't been able to do much because we're waiting for the for the grant to drop so that we can have access uh to the funds so pray about that that yeah. that that'll dry, that'll drive it probably it's probably just somebody in washington who's got to hit a button and they've been working from home for <laughs> for for six weeks and they hadn't got around to hitting the button yet Sure. Uh, you know, and, and there are other organizations in Franklin who are waiting on that same thing. Yeah. Well, we've, you know, we've got a list of restaurants that we can patronize to help out. Um, you can, real quick, what's the, the link if they won't feel compelled to go donate to the Homeless yeah, you, Alliance? You can go to franklincommunitychurch.org and go to our giving page. And then um, underneath that, you'll see a tab that says apply donation to, and you have two choices, Franklin Community Church, Franklin Community Development. Hit Franklin Community Development and give, um, and uh, now you'll get a, you'll get an immediate email after you give, and the email you get is going to say Franklin Community Church, and that's because that's who runs the website and who who is the overseer of everything. But we get an email uh, that says that this money was given to go toward Franklin Community Development. Yeah, and so that's where it'll go. That's where it'll go toward. And uh, if you're really interested, you know, we have a letter uh, from a lawyer that explains how. And until the 501c3 comes from uh, Williamson County Homeless Alliance, uh, you, you can give to the Homeless Alliance, but you still go through Franklin Community Development uh, for that until, uh, until the, uh, um, the last letter we got said within 90 days we should have our 501c3. So we're looking at maybe mid-June, hopefully we'll have the 501c3 wrapped up, and then you can start giving directly to, to uh, Williamson County Homeless Alliance. Yeah. Well, you've talked about, uh, you know, the need for and the, and the plan for a homeless shelter which, you know, addresses immediate homelessness and that also, um, you know, maybe we've talked about this offline, is the, the long-term goal of the Homeless Alliance is to provide permanent housing. So is, is to not just li- leave them in homelessness, but to take them <coughs> out of that and into permanent housing. If people are watching and they're feeling like, man, I want to be a part of this or I, I want to wrap my brain around and we really do need to understand it to be able to solve it, so wh- what can they do? What are, what are steps people can do beyond just donating to go, all right, I want to be a part of the solution for homelessness in, in Williamson County? And yeah. That may be a huge, huge <laughs> yeah, that, question, but some, that's some basic thing. steps. Yeah, you know, what was odd is, you know, is during this pandemic, putting them in a hotel meant that there was very, very little opportunity for volunteer help. Now, we did have a group step up. which was really, really cool. They called me and wanted to come and meet with the people in our hotel to help them go through the paperwork or to file online for their stimulus check. And that, that was really cool um, for them to do that. And, uh, um, um, you know, there's, if, as we move forward, once the, once the summer and the winter kick back up if we're, and, and we're back in the churches, then the meals are provided by volunteers. So it could be a Sunday school group um, or family if they wanted to, but it's, the numbers are pretty big for that. Um, but uh, and but the volunteers and and you just contact me. Uh, my email is Kevin at FranklinCommunityChurch.org. 
Um, we are hoping, uh, I don't want to get too far ahead of myself. Now, last, last year, we, we received a gift of $250,000 um, that is just in the bank sitting there that will go toward a, some type of permanent shelter. Um, and so, you know, if you want to match that, hey, <laughs> that, that would help because you, things in Franklin are expensive, yeah. very expensive. Uh, but we're working through an idea of, um, of how we could maybe have a central location for, our, for the Homeless Alliance where we could provide the holistic care that we want to provide. Um, and then at that case, you know, if I could find 31 churches who would say we'll house the homeless one night a week or one night a month, if 31 churches would say that and we had a headquarters, then we could provide housing 365 days a year um, for uh, people who are homeless. Um, you know, so talk to your church about that. And when we get that set up where we would have showers and, and food and everything um, at our location and then just at night go to the church uh, to spend the night and then the next morning come back to that location for breakfast, all, all we'd be asking the church to do is can we set up some beds in your, in your church and let the people sleep uh, tonight? And there, you wouldn't have to worry about food. You wouldn't have to worry about showers because we would take care of that at a location. That way we could buy a smaller building to start with and really focus on the holistic because again uh, um, as the homeless alliance and as Franklin community development our goal is not to build a warehouse to put people in our goal is to put people in homes uh, but we need that emergency shelter so that a person has a safe place to stay until we can get them um, the help that they need to get into their homes and uh, and so that's the goal I mean it's it, you know our, our idea of shelter is not um, the uh typical or the old model of shelter of just here's a place where hundreds of people can come and sleep in one big open room that's not that's not our idea of what we can do yeah. and uh and we can do it better than that and we can minister to the whole person not, not but the first thing is get them off the street yep well thank you pastor kevin thank you everybody who's joining us online on facebook live thank you to the listeners who are listening to the podcast wherever you listen to podcasts do you have any final words before we sign out? Yeah, just, just you know, pray for the homeless. Um, you know, they, the, I think the Bible's clear on that, of taking care of, of people who are on the margins. And, uh, and when you see a person who, who is homeless, uh, don't assume that they're lazy, they're a drug addict. All, don't assume any of that. Just show them love and compassion because what they're feeling is you don't care about us and you just want to throw us away. And no human being um, should be thrown away. Yeah. Well, and even if they are a drug addict, who they knows still what they're masking. Be, yeah. yeah they know, still. What? Yeah. You don't know the, their backstory. You don't know what has caused them to be in the situation that they're in. We are all probably one to five steps away from the exact same spot, based on life circumstances. Anyways, thank you for joining us today on Floods of Justice. We will see you on the next episode. The Floods of Justice podcast looks at the issues of our day from a biblical perspective without the labels. Join the conversation online at floodsofjustice.com or find the Reverend Dr. Kevin Riggs on Twitter at Riggs underscore Kevin.